0: So if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. And I wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. That's this. We're, we're going to have a day of uh, prayer and fasting on uh, March 11th, this Wednesday. Like Brian mentioned, uh, we'll have the church open early in the morning at 7. If, if that gives you time to come down and you want to spend a bit of time in prayer, seeking the Lord before work, or if you want to come down, at your lunch break or after after work or whatever. Or come to prayer that evening. We just want to take that day as a time to spend some time seeking the Lord. And doing something called fasting. And uh, it's just interesting. I, I, I just sense like that God has... Uh, led us to this point here this morning. And I just wanted to do this today. I wanted to just kind of wrap a little bit about fasting. I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip a little more than usual. And, um, and I want to touch on some different passages um, that, that, that deal with the issue of fasting uh, throughout the Bible. So we'll go a little bit old and new, and you got to just be ready to roll with me, okay? Is that cool? Uh, we've been doing our series, wrapped up our series in Esther and it was back when we were in Esther chapter 4 when Mordecai had made his appeal to, um, to Esther. She'd become queen. Uh, this decree of doom, we called it, had gone out over the Jewish people. And Mordecai came to Esther and he said, Esther, I, I think God has put you in this spot for such a time as this. And he appealed to her that she go before the the king and that she reveal the plot uh, for the destruction of her people. That she reveal the work of this man, Haman, that we called the man of the flesh. He's a picture of the man of the flesh. He's a picture of the man who, who wrestles against the work of the spirit. And we all have Haman in our life, in a sense. We all have the fleshly man who is constantly wrestling with and standing in opposition to the work of God in our lives, wrestling for the place of priority, manipulating for the place of priority, uh, scheming so that we would serve the flesh rather than serve the work of the spirit. And so as Esther heard the appeal and, and sensed what God was doing in her life, she asked this of Mordecai. She said, would you go back to the people and would my people take three days to fast and pray for me? And then I will go before the king. And if I die, I die. Uh, if I perish, I perish. And that was the reply she passed on to Mordecai. And so we know the story that Mordecai went and he did everything that Esther asked. And Esther went and did everything that Mordecai had asked. And the, the people sought the favor of God on behalf of Esther. And uh, we've just gone through this wonderful story about how God saved his people in the midst of that. Fasting, I would say, is just time where we choose to seek the Lord, to seek the favor of the Lord, and to set aside things of the flesh to seek things of the Spirit. And so, you know, I guess w- what is fasting and what is its purpose? You know, I, r- I recall this time as I was thinking about it. Um, my grandpa um, was a police officer. And after he had done his career with the VPD, he retired and he went back to his roots. He moved up to the Okanagan like John and Annie. And he started a farm. Which might be, you know, here's an idea for you. Uh, except that after that, after he had been there for a few th- few years, and he'd gotten involved in a church, God started to stir some things in his life, and at 60 years old, he became a pastor for the first time. And he pastored two churches, and continued to pastor until he was about 75. And I recall um, one time, uh, the second church that he was at was was in the Fraser Valley in Rosedale. And we went to visit on a weekend, and uh, Grandpa preach to the church and, and you know I loved hearing grandpa preach he was a hero of mine a p- policeman and a preacher and a lover of God and just a man's man and um, he made an appeal to his church calling them to fast and pray and I remember we went back to uh, their house after church that Sunday and grandma would always do the big spread it was Uh, the meal at their house and we sat down and grandpa took his spot where he always sat at the head of the table and he'd rest his arms and the whole table would (laughs) stand up on one end and he prayed and he blessed the food and then he fellowshiped with us for a few minutes and then he graciously dismissed himself because he had called his church to pray and to fast and he went off and he spent time in prayer and I just never forget the impression that left on me as a young man as he Uh, went to seek the favor of the Lord. And that's really the heart, I think, of uh, the plan for Wednesday is that we would set aside certain things of the flesh so that we could seek the favor of the Lord. We see that in the example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. It's interesting that Right at the start of Matthew chapter 4, we read in verse 1 that that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That sounds really fun, doesn't it? I mean, if you really stop and think about that, the Spirit of God led him both into the wilderness and to the place where he would be tempted by the devil. And we read in in verse 2 that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and that he was hungry, that he set aside certain things... He set aside certain appetites of his fleshly body so that he could focus on seeking the Lord. And we read that after 40 days and 40 nights and in his hunger, the tempter came to him in verse 3. And it says that he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that. Man does not live on bread alone. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, our flesh needs to be reminded of that. I don't live solely on, by, uh, for the purposes of pleasing the appetites of my flesh. I live for the purposes of God. I live for the purposes of his kingdom. I live for the work of The Spirit, and I desire to serve the purposes of the Spirit in my life with greater priority than the appetites of my flesh. And sometimes uh, a a great way to demonstrate that is putting aside eating for a time of fasting. And fasting is a means, I would say, of, of just resetting priorities in our life. You're second place. Spirit comes first. Turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 6. A great passage. We're going to just kind of bounce around like this. Romans chapter 6. A great passage on the fact that in our salvation by grace, we've been made dead to sin and alive to Christ. And As Paul talks about that, he says a few things. And he says in verse 3, I want to point them out as we're uh, considering this. He says this. Do you not know, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You know, one of the wonderful things about the Christian life is that we're called uh, to walk in newness of life. Jesus said, "A man must be born again." As Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come." And, and we enter into this new spiritual life in Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, we battle the old nature. We deal with desires of the flesh. We deal with old issues of sin. Though they've been brought to the cross, though we have been made new in Christ, the old man still rears his head, so to speak. And one of the keys to fighting Uh, The nature of sin in our life is not to preach, no, don't do that. You know, like we've all been there or sat in ministries or maybe grew up in churches where it was like that, where it was, no, that's the rules. Don't smoke. We don't chew. We don't go with girls that do. That's what I always think of when I think of. You know, we don't go to the bowling alley. We don't go to the theater. And we try to deal with issues of sin by saying, no, stop it. But Paul says, the key to dealing with your sin is not no, it's no between the ears. What you know. Know what you have received in Christ. Know what you have been given through Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, Christian living depends on Christian learning. He said, duty is always founded on doctrine. And if Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, he can keep him impotent. And so Paul said this. You you have to know. You you have to grow in your identity in Jesus Christ. And you have to know that you've been made dead to sin. He said in verse 6, again, we know We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. And so Paul says one of the things when you think about the fleshly man and putting him in his place and living with the right priority for Christ, one of the things that we have to know and one of the mindsets we need to carry as believers is To know that you're free from serving sin. Whenever I think of this passage, I think about getting fired from a job. It happened to me. Uh, Once when I was a kid, actually. Well, not a kid, but uh, it was the summer of 1989. I got hired at the waterfront restaurant just down the road. It used to be called uh, Mariner's. It was a steak and seafood house. And I've told this story before. And I, I wish my mom was here so I could just graciously remind her of her role in this but um, I was washing dishes in fact I was having a great time because five of my buddies had got hired in this restaurant for the summer and prep cooking and washing dishes and we were having a good time there and I was scheduled to work and my grandpa's birthday came up now not the grandpa that I just mentioned but my other grandpa and uh, he was born in 1911 and so 1989 pretty significant. He's uh, getting up there. And my mom said, we don't know how much longer Grandpa's going to be around, and so you need to take that day off. And I said, Mom, I, I can't do that. I'm scheduled to work. And she said, you know, it, it's okay. I'm going to take care of it for you. And so she called my employer, and she told him that I wasn't allowed to work. And I was uh, 13 at the time. And um, 13, Jonah should get a job. So I'm thinking. <laughs> kids nowadays, eh? And, uh, and so mom called my employer and uh, I went off to grandpa's birthday and we had a wonderful celebration and thankfully he didn't die the next day or the next day. He lived for 20 more years. <laughs> and my employer called me after the weekend and said, thanks but no thanks. We don't need moms telling us how to run our business. Uh, you're no longer employed here. And so I lost my Four dollars and twenty-five cents per hour washing dishes, and um, I was unemployed. Paul says, "Sin is unemployed in your life. When you consider it, it has no job. It has no place. It's 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 not in the sense if you could think about it this way that you actually hired sin." But sin had hired you. It owned you. It was the master. It was the boss. It was the crew chief. It was the lead hand. And Jesus fired the master and he set us free. He, he fired that slave driver and sin is unemployed. Jesus set us free. That is, unless I hire the old boss back. Oh, I kind of liked it when you whipped me. I think I'll go back there. I liked it when you beat me. I liked it when you owned me. And, and we go back and we surrender ourselves to sin. And we allow it to work in our lives. And one of the things Paul says we need to know. Is that we have been set free from the power of sin. Jesus has put sin out of a job. It's not the master. And when it, when it comes to sin. We need to change our thought process. About who is in charge. And one of the great ways of doing that is fasting. Appetites of the flesh, you don't run the show. I serve the things of the Spirit, so I'm setting you aside for a time, so that I can seek the Lord. Uh, Paul says in verse 8, Now if we know now we if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. We need to be reminded that we live alive unto God. What a wonderful thing. Ephesians tells us that when we were lost in our sin, we were dead, that we were dead unto the things of God. That we had to be born again so that we could be alive unto God. And so Paul says this in verse 11. He says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your, moral bo- in your mortal body to make you obey its uh, passions. Paul says you need to do some kingdom, you need to sit down and do some math in your life, spiritual math. Consider these things. Uh, The NIV says count them. Do the math. How do I offer myself to God? If I've been made alive unto him, how do I offer myself to him? The scripture teaches us lots about that. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we we offer our bodies as living sacrifice. Uh, We read here in this Uh, chapter a little bit further on in chapter six, that we offer the parts of our bodies as instruments of righteousness to the Lord. How do we offer ourselves to God? Well, sometimes one of the ways we do that is by, again, setting aside the appetites of the flesh to seek the things of the Spirit. You know, as human beings, um, we're made in the image of God. Uh, we are triune in our nature just as God is. Uh, albeit in an inferior uh, trinity, body, soul, and spirit. If, if you, just like the, our, our, our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. And if you were to set the, the human uh, trinity in a vertical order to get an understanding of who runs what, The order of the fleshly uh, person and the fleshly life is this, is that the flesh is on top. The desires of the flesh, the appetites of the flesh, rule the mortal body. They rule the spirit. They, They rule the thinking. The body rules over the soul, and the spirit is really on the bottom because it's dead in the fleshly man. But in the born again man, in the person that has been regenerated and born of the spirit, the spirit comes alive and the spirit takes uh, the place of priority. The spirit takes rule over the soul and over the mind and over the desires of the body and the desires, they must submit to the desires of the spirit. And so the born again man is no longer ruled by the appetites of the body. That is, unless he hires the old boss back. And so Paul says in verse 13, do not present the members, your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members as instruments of righteousness. You know, when I think of fasting, I think, yeah, this is one of the ways that I present myself to God to be an instrument of righteousness. You're first, Lord. The things of your kingdom are first. I'm setting aside the desires of my flesh. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Told you, we're just gonna go all over the map. Different thoughts, is that cool? Isaiah is a great chapter on true and false fasting. It's one that will pin you to the mat. You read it and you think, man, if that's fasting, that that is, that is tough. You know, I guess the question is, is, is that simply it? Is that fasting? Like we don't eat some food and God's happy and he blesses us? Like is that the deal? And... and in, in Isaiah chapter 58, as, as Isaiah began to prophesy regarding the issue of fasting in the, the, the Old Testament and amongst the people of Israel, um, we read some things. God's speaking to them early in this chapter, and he says, you know, these people, they delight to know about me. They love to accumulate knowledge about me. You know, they, they, they seek me, and they act as if they're a righteous people. Uh, they, they fast and they humble themselves. God says that. They fast and they humble themselves before me. We're going to read here. They put on sackcloth. They sit in ashes. They, they get low before me. But when the people did that, they found that they weren't getting the response from God that they hoped for. They said, God, we, we, we want to know you. We've actually humbled ourselves before you, we've set time aside to do this. And so, I, I, you know, I, I go, is that, is that just what we're doing on Wednesday? Is it just, we get low and expect God to bless us? Is that, is, that, is that the picture? Well, for the people of Israel, it seemed as though God did not see what they were doing. That when they humbled themselves, they said, he doesn't even take knowledge of it. And the problems with their fasting, the Lord begins to say is this. Yeah, you fast. But on that day, you seek your own pleasure. Yeah, you fast. But on that day, you oppress your workers. Yeah, you fast and you seek me and you set time. But you don't extend mercy to those who deserve mercy. Yeah, you you fast. And then you spend the day quarreling and fighting. Verse 5 of Isaiah 58. Look at that. The Lord says this. "Is, Is such the fast that I choose... A day for a person to humble himself. So God says this. Is that all you think I want? Just for you to humble yourself before me? Is it to bow down his head like a reed? And to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this an acceptable fast to the Lord? Is that what God wants? You know I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. He said this to those that he taught in Matthew chapter nine, he said, go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. I desire uh, mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Is fasting just simply about sacrifice? Because God is not, that's not God's, That doesn't impress God. There's one sacrifice that impressed God. It happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. And it was the sacrifice for all sacrifices. And Jesus said, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. See, we are so works-oriented in our thinking, so self-focused that that will say, I made this sacrifice, and now God, I expect you to acknowledge that and to work on my behalf. And, and God said, I, that's, I, I never wanted your sacrifice. I wanted you to be a merciful people. And Jesus said, You have to go and, and learn what that means. The Lord said through Isaiah, Is such a fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? See, for the people in Isaiah's day, fasting was humility without action, sacrifice without mercy. And true fasting when you think about the words of Jesus, go and learn what this means. Is I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It's to turn in every way from the self-centered, self-focused, flesh-driven life. It, it says here in, in Isaiah 58, verse 6. I want to read through some of these verses. Go through to verse 12. The Lord says, Is not this the fast that I choose? So God says, this is what I envision when you fast. This is my heart for that, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. God says, when my people fast, I also want them to free those who are in slavery. Verse seven, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide your own flesh? Hide from your own flesh? Then the Lord says, shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the lord will answer you shall cry and he will say here i am if you take away the yoke from your midst the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted and shall then light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom as on the noonday and the lord will guide you continually And satisfy your desire in the scorched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Look, when you set aside time to fast, it's not simply about not eating and seeking the Lord. There's an action that's required. And and I, I, I want us to have this thought as we go towards that. Where is God calling you to have mercy as you set aside this time? Where is God calling you to act in justice as you set aside this time to seek him? Where is God calling you to to share your bread with those who don't have it as you set aside time from eating bread? See, the Lord wants humility with action. And so fasting, yeah, it's not just the simple denial of food. It's the action of actually physically turning away from the fleshly man, rejecting him, rejecting his appetites, rejecting his attitudes, rejecting uh, his self-focus to seek the things of God and to seek the things of the kingdom. Zechariah chapter 7 is an awesome passage on fasting as well. I'd encourage you to go home this afternoon and maybe read that or consider that one prior to going into Wednesday. The story of Zechariah is this is actually Zechariah parallels very closely in terms of time frame with the story of Esther. Zechariah was a prophet on the scene, prophesying while the temple was being rebuilt, and prophesying the way that God was going to work in the midst of his people and the future plan that he had for his people. And in the middle of the book is this short chapter on fasting. Because the people come to Zechariah and they ask this question. Because as they had been in 70 years of captivity in Babylon and in Medo-Persia. And now come back to rebuild the temple. They had taken a day in the 5th month of the year. A day in the 7th month of the year. And another day on the calendar. And they had specifically as a nation fasted and sought God. uh, Three times a year for 70 years while they were in captivity. And so they come back to the land. And they're rebuilding the temple and they come to Zechariah and they say, hey, it's the fifth month. What do we do? Are we supposed to fast like we did for seven years? Like, should we continue in that process of seeking God in the midst of that? And um, Zechariah said this in verse five of Zechariah chapter seven. If you want, you can turn there. I'll just read it to you. He says this. The word of the Lord came to me. Say to the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and you mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? Like wow. On Wednesday will it be for the Lord that we fast? When you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? And then the Lord said this in verse 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Render true judgments. Show kindness. Show mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. See, God said, I don't want to play games, guys. This isn't just about setting aside some time to seek me. This is about truly acting in character that honors me. Speaking of the people, he says in verse 11, But they refused to pay attention, and and they turned a stubborn shoulder, and they stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord, that the word... The words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his Spirit. The pictures there are, are, are really rich that Zechariah uses. They refused to pay attention. They turned a stubborn shoulder to the Lord. They stopped up their ears. I don't want to hear. No, 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 no. To the Lord. They made their hearts diamond hard. What a picture. May God give us soft hearts, not hearts that refuse Him and His Word and the things of the Spirit. And so God says, look, if it's just setting aside food, don't waste my time. Go eat your meals. But if it's seeking me and putting forward the things of the Spirit, then be a people who render true judgment. Be a people who are merciful uh, do not oppress, widow, or the fatherless, or the poor. Don't devise evil schemes against one another. Have action along with your humility before me. Uh, the prophet Joel said this. It was one that we discussed in our Koinonia groups. Yet even now, in chapter, 12, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over sending disaster. We sang those last words this morning. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord It says, look, fasting's about making a decision to return to me with your heart. It's not just about wrenching the outside, putting on the robes of religion or tearing the robes in repentance. It's about truly coming before me with your heart and, and setting aside the things of the flesh and having God change your heart. Jesus gave some instructions in Matthew chapter 6. Why don't you to flip there with me? See, I told you, you just jump all over. <laughs> Random thoughts. He said this, chapter 6, verse 16, fasting. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. <laughs> you got to love Jesus, eh? The practice in that culture was you made a scene out of it, right? You didn't bathe, didn't brush your hair. I don't know if you didn't clean your teeth. I don't know what the deal was. But they made it clear so that everyone would know how spiritual they were, that they were fasting. And Jesus said, they're hypocrites. They're they're not doing it for the right reason. They're doing it to be seen by men. And so he says, if you're going to do it, it's between you and God. Brush your hair. Brush your teeth. People will appreciate that. Get dressed. You know, wash your face. Treat it like a normal day. Don't walk around giving the attitude that, oh, yeah, I'm just fasting today, so I'm just, you know, (laughs) because our flesh loves that. Loves to tell and and advertise. And and the Lord says, no, just, just make it between, Jesus said, just make it between you and God. Go about your day normal and do it in secret. As you seek the Lord. And you know what? Whose reward do we really want? Whose whose blessing and favor do we really want? That's why Jesus could call these people hypocrites. Because what did they want? They wanted the approval of men. But the approval of God, it comes whether it's seen by men or not seen by men. You act in secret. You seek the Lord and God who sees what's done in secret rewards those who seek him in that place so you know I'd encourage you Wednesday if you're thinking man yeah just wear a smile on your face more than you ever do even if your tummy's rumbling even if you're like feeling weak put the smile on and serve the Lord and, and uh, yeah cool uh, just one last thing I just wanted, wanted to point out this morning it wasn't going to go too long Luke, Luke chapter 2 verse 36 and 38 a prophetess by the name of Anna beautiful woman in the scripture we're only introduced to her just, just for a few moments and we read about her in Luke chapter 2 verse 36 through 38 and it says this about Anna There was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher and she was advanced in years having lived with her husband 7 years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84 she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day and coming up that very hour she began to give thanks to god and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of jerusalem what an awesome lady we know that she was there present as jesus was being dedicated and circumcised at the temple and and um, she began to worship God in the midst of that. And I I just uh, love this lady that, as she was seeking the Lord and fasting and prayer, she went to the house of God. And I mean, we we know God doesn't dwell in buildings. We ourselves are the temple of God. But we do have this place that the Lord's given us where we worship. And that's why I, I would really encourage you this week, if you can, if you're going if you're gonna do it, to just come and have a a spot where you can come and seek the Lord and uh, spend some time with him. And this lady, you know, did it night and day. She didn't skip breakfast and lunch or dinner and then go about and did what she wanted. That's a waste of time. If you're going to do that, eat. But she sought the favor of God. She she went to a place, she found a place, and she began to seek God the Lord and worshiped him and, and 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 spent time in prayer and did not depart from uh, the house of God. A great example. And so this week, yeah, Wednesday, seven o'clock the church will be open, it'll go through um, till nine. And um, I'm really excited about doing this together as a church because In our Koinonia group, and I know the discussion was in lots of other Koinonia groups, and I had so many discussions with people about fasting over the last month. I thought, yeah, Lord's putting this on our hearts as a church. We need to do this. And um, as the day has come, is coming and approaching, and I've been preparing, I'm like, whoa, spiritual resistance, warfare. But not only that, I've had opportunity from the Lord for acts of mercy that I sense he wants to happen in, in my life uh, in connection with this day. And so, you know, as you prepare over the next couple days, I, I would encourage you to say, Lord, what is, is it just about humility, Lord? Or what is the action step that you are asking me to do to coincide with this time of seeking your face? I'm going to push the man of the flesh aside. We want to push Haman down in our lives and serve the things of God's spirit. And so I just want to encourage you to, to join in on whatever level you can, if it's just one meal or two meals or all day. If you can't get here, that's fine. Uh, we're going to meet in the evening at 7 for our regular uh, time of prayer on our week off for our koinonia, and I encourage you to come and we'll seek the Lord. Cool? Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's pray. This morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Lord, we love you. We truly do. And God, we want to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to grow in spiritual things. Uh, We desire, Lord, that you would transform our character. We desire, Lord, that the flesh would be murdered in our lives. We desire, God, that we would live the new life in Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that you would refine our character. God, we pray that our lives would not just have the cloak of religion and works, but that there would be true heart transformation. And, God, we ask that increasingly in each of our lives, we would not serve the appetites of the flesh, but that we would learn to live for the things of the Spirit. And so, God, as a church, as we look forward to Wednesday... God, we ask your blessing upon it, God. We ask your blessing upon that time. We ask, God, that you would change and that you would transform us, Lord, that you would hear our prayers, that you would bring about your character in our lives as we humble ourselves before you. God, we thank you uh, for this time of worship this morning. We thank you for the time and the word. We thank you for this beautiful day outside, Lord, which you've given us to serve you. God, we wanna sing your praise today. And so we bless you, Lord. Let's stand together and sing this morning.